You're listening to The Scoop on CFRC 101.9 FM. Today in our virtual studio, I have with me Francisco Corbett, a local Kingston artist who is super talented and has an exciting event coming up at the Agnes Etherington Center in which he will be leading a studio workshop. Before we jump into the interview, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and welcome? Thanks for having me, Joel. Uh, I appreciate it. Uh, I have been painting seriously for about six years now and only full-time in the last eight to 12 months. It's been almost a year. Ironically, at the beginning of the lockdown, that was when I really kicked it into high gear. I think that was the case for a lot of people where they saw that something that they might have viewed as so secure, like a a busing job, a serving job, um, you know, a, a desk job, anything like that was not as secure as once believed it to be. So they, I've seen my friends kind of take more of a chance with other ventures. So like uh, different companies that they're starting and different, what's the term? Like side hustles, I guess you could say, but it's all under that guise of like entrepreneurship and like wanting to do more. And especially in the time now where we just got out of a lockdown, possibly going into another one, it's nice to see that uh, an entrepreneurial spirit might spark from this. So I would say that as an artist, um doing it like for the last like six years and then full-time for the last about year I view myself as an entrepreneur and I view myself as uh you know not the typical artist who is just painting in the studio and uh I I like to be very social with my art uh whether that's online or whether I get the chance ever to do it again in person my art is very social my art is very people driven emotional driven and I like interacting with people. So I'm happy to be on the show. I'm happy to talk to people. I'm happy to, to talk to anyone who will listen and vice versa. I'm happy to listen where I can. So that's my style of art. It's very expressive. It's very colorful. And as well as a performance artist, that's what I would consider myself. I like to be very loud and very social. And so that's a good, it all plays into itself. So as an artist, that's what I think I am as a person. I'm 23 years old. I have a little five-year-old who's almost about to be six in April. His name's Luca. And uh, I, I love what I do. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. And uh, I, I really like how it's the, uh, the social aspect of the art. You don't really hear that a lot. It's normally, it, I would say art is seen as kind of an, an isolationist uh, career where, you know, Michelangelo, mm-hmm. he spent like years painting the Sistine Chapel on top of these, the scaffolding. And he, <laughs> yeah completely alone other than someone to bring him paint um but hearing you say it's it's a social aspect for you that that you love it's it's kind of nice to hear because it's kind of different from what at least my mindset was when it came to to painting or art yeah thank you and so what would you say is like what first sparked your interest in art i know that you things have just uh has been getting off the ground lately but was there in your childhood or something or yeah, it's really funny because I was never like, I was very hard to to like just sit down and say still when I was a child. So I, I think I probably drew like any kid. I probably uh, painted a few times. But the real thing that was interesting is when I was a kid, I would play with Lego and I would build like as much as I could with Lego. And I would tell stories with my Lego and Sometimes it wouldn't just be Lego. We'd add like blocks of wood. Or I remember a game we used to play is take this blue blanket and pretend it was water and then like build like on the water, right? With Lego. Um, and that would be in our imagination. So as I grew up, I think that pivotal moment really happened when I saw that I wasn't 
it was story driven, what I was trying to do. I liked telling stories, but more importantly than that, I liked the freedom that came with that. I liked the freedom that, you know, you took a blue blanket and boom, it was a thing of water. And I liked the freedom where you take some blocks and oh my God, there's a tall skyscraper. Cause you know, that would take ages to build with Lego. I liked the freedom of it. And that was what was most alluring. So when I was growing up, I was going through a lot of addiction and I was going through a lot of, you know, just being a dumb kid to a certain extent, just a dumb kid, but also I was starting to get into some dangerous places. I was uh, doing a lot of graffiti and I would get busted every now and again. Um, but the graffiti really stemmed from that idea of freedom. So I saw Banksy, I think maybe when I was like 13, 12, maybe whenever he was getting really big. And, you know, obviously the allure of Banksy is nobody knows who it is. Like, wow, this character, uh, it was like a story, right? It was like this, like this, like fictional character that would do anything, create anything, wasn't scared of anything. And that's what I really, really liked. So again, the freedom was the part that drew me back in. And I remember I would be spray painting, but I never would have a tag. I would try and do a piece. It wasn't very good. Um, but we got busted, me and my friends a couple of times and it was time to stop. So then everything got more into heavier waters. I began to get more into addiction, more into drugs, and that was not good at all. But the great thing was the saving grace in it all was that at the very end, when I decided like, oh my God, I need to get clean. I have a kid. Uh, art presented itself to me again in a way where my father was showing me the paper, the Globe and Mail. And he was like, look at this. It's an article on Jean-Michel Basquiat. He's, he has a show. I mean, he, he's dead now, unfortunately. He's been dead for since the 80s. But uh, it was an article on Jean-Michel Basquiat and a show in Toronto. And I was like, oh, my God, uh, that looks amazing. He's like, yeah, you got to go. So I went and I had no prior experience of like going to galleries, really. Like I would go with my mom occasionally. But this was my first solo venture alone because of my interest to go to a gallery alone in Toronto for the first time. I, I was staying with a friend, but like alone, like going my, by myself. And it just completely changed my whole life, that one show. Um, I saw the freedom that all these, that Banksy had, that I was after the freedom, perfectly, perfectly portrayed onto a canvas and in a, a higher art place like the, uh, like the AGO. It was there on display and they were massive paintings, these huge, huge paintings, murals almost, uh, colorful and interesting and different and not like any other painting I had ever seen before. And I remember I stayed in there for the whole, like until the gallery closed. And then I tried to sneak into a, like a talk for professors only and they're like you can't be here and I was like fuck but uh that was like the big moment where everything changed for sure yeah I feel like each person has a like a situation or a time where they just appreciate art differently after that one time like I've been to the Louvre I've seen uh amazing famous paintings that I was like wow I appreciate it but I don't really understand it and mm -hmm. I I didn't have that until have you ever seen the show Doctor Who? Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you, I do you know the episode uh, with the Eleventh Doctor where uh, the Van Gogh episode? Have you seen that? No, no. Basically, it's an entire episode dedicated to Van Gogh, and at the very end, they bring him forward in time from his time to um, like an art museum with all his different paintings and stuff. <laughs> yeah. And he basically because he was a very depressed artist and uh, yeah right and eventually actually committed suicide so that's and then they actually brought him forward and the actor played it phenomenally but it actually showed it basically got the the head curator of the the museum to uh explain why like in 100 words how where you know van gogh rates on the the artists of all time and he gives this mm -hmm. amazing uh explanation of it and just for some reason that just clicked with me and after that I could hmm. 
understand art. And I feel like each person has that kind of innate thing that just kind of has to switch at, and it's different for everyone, but it's kind of amazing how each person can. Yeah, of course. But you're also, so you, you were talking earlier about how you're an entrepreneur and Mm -hmm. in a sense, (laughs) in in a a sense. So you're also an artist and director under a label called for world. Can you tell us a little Mm -hmm. bit about this label and you know, what sort of work you've been involved with? Yeah. So four world started as just four F O R and it was this like fashion brand, I guess you could call it. It was more just a way to like, I, so I went to that Jean-Michel Basquiat show in 2015. I started painting right away. Um, and again, had that like innate moment to be like, holy shit, this is something that I can do. Started doing that. And then about a year went by, I had a show at a friend's house. And that was really fun. Like I paint with my paintings, I had my first round of paintings. Um, and then I kind of left it for a bit and I got really interested in design, designing clothing. Um, not cut and sew, but I would just like take a jacket and I would paint on it. So I was still painting, but I was changing the canvas into a jacket or a pair of pants or t-shirts or whatever I could figure out like would be interesting. So I was doing that, expressing myself in those ways. And it became like, well, I want to show something again. And I was like, well, how do you show clothes? How do you do that? Well, you have a, a fashion show, you have a runway show. So I planned out this runway show at the town loft which was this old venue uh, that actually just recently caught up in flames um there's a whole story behind that but who knows what happened really but the building caught on flames so the first venue i'd ever had a show like a, a runway show in. and that ru- uh, runway show was under the moniker of four and we kind of like me and my team kind of ran with that for like maybe a year of four and we would do runway shows i would design clothing and it, it was nice because it, again, it, it added in that social aspect of like, I like working with people, although I like now as a more mature artist, I still have a ways to go, but as a more mature artist, I'm thinking to myself, like, I like working independently alone, but I also see the value and you can do something bigger when you have a team. So four became four forever. And it meant to me, what I'm doing is going to be forever, whatever I'm doing. But four really stemmed from like, I'm doing it for me or I'm doing it for you or I'm doing it for art or I'm doing it for love. I'm just doing it for all these different reasons. For forever, meaning like, well, I'm going to, one of these reasons will last forever. I'll keep doing it because I love it. And whatever other reason I can think of in, in the time to come. And then for forever became four world, maybe about like a year and a bit ago. I think mainly I just, thought the idea of like a little globe like in the middle of something you had like four over it and then you had like a like a crudely drawn globe and then you had the word world under it and I was like yeah, that's cool I like that and so now I'm putting out a bunch of t-shirts uh, in three days actually and hoodies and they have that little tag on the inside of the shirt that says four world so I'd say that's more where the brand is going now I look at it more of just a way to release shirts release merch release pieces like of clothing under four world but four world really is this team of people of like let's get artists together and models together photographers together other performance artists together let's just make a collab project it's a four world is really a collaboration if i'm doing a francisco corbett project it's usually just like uh paintings or like a series of prints or it's something that i can like manage on my own but if it's something large scale like i mean i have a, a billboard that just went up like a couple days ago um that's got to be four world that's a that's a four world project because it's involved with so many people um and they really deserve credit where credit is due that's what four world is 
that's that's amazing and also to have the ability to kind of like switch from you know a team atmosphere or just an independent uh project is kind of a great thing to have because some people kind of get locked into you know i always have to be working with a team or i always have to be working on my own so it's yeah great to have that kind of change up of oh you know today i want to work with other people and some other day <laughs> like oh i really want to express this thing but i kind of want to do it my own so like it's great to have that that ability to change that up yeah thanks I, th- I think so it's definitely a battle though for sure you know what i mean like you have to the ego comes into play a lot like where do i stand where do uh where can i where 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 can i put 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 my foot down so sounds so violent but like where can i take a stand that this is like a vision that i had where can i let it be more collaborative so it's definitely a learning process i mean i'm only 23 now but uh i'm still i'm still learning a lot and realizing that i can be very wrong in certain situations and maybe my idea isn't the best idea maybe there's a better idea if I just let other people come in and express it more. That's what I would say. That's a great, uh, great mindset to have just to be able to have, be open up to uh, not even criticism, but, you know, constructive criticism and also the, the collaboration. Ideas. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. But you're talking about learning process and, you know, you still have a lot to learn, but you're also wanting to give back a bit. You have a, you're facilitating a workshop uh, at the mm-hmm. Agnes Etherington center this weekend. Do you want to tell us a little bit like about that? Yeah. That's a great segue there that you made. I'm <laughs> impressed. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess it's funny because in my time at school, I, I hated it. And in my time of going through all these like, you know, uh, depression and, and uh, addiction and all these, you know, everything, everything under the sun, I dropped out of high school. I ended up dropping out in 2015. I recently went back like two years ago, finished it all up. So whatever, we're good. I would rather have not, but I did it anyway because I felt that it was appropriate. Yeah, <laughs> I felt that it was appropriate and time to do it. So for me, it's really funny that uh, in a good way, in a positive way, uh, it makes me chuckle that I have been asked, this is not the first time to lead a class, to teach a workshop, to do like uh, an after school thing for younger kids. Thankfully, this one is with, uh, with older people. So it'll be nice to be able to maybe get into some more deeper topics and express myself in a way where I'm not like, yeah, so what do you guys think about this? Like, let's do that. Let's do this, which is totally fine. I love teaching kids. I mean, I have a kid myself. I try to teach them as much as I can, but with adults, maybe some older people, we can maybe get into a little, get into it a little more. So the first class I ever did was at the Tet Center, I believe. And they had me do two there. Um, I have another juvenile class coming up later. So I, I'm, I prepared, like these were for a bunch of little kids. I had prepared like a slideshow, which I thought was hilarious. They didn't really like it. I was like, whatever. But uh, it was, it was fun that way because I got to like try it out. And now going into this class, it's called you draw fast, don't you? Uh, it's really getting into the process of where I'm at and making my art. So I have a huge, 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 huge um, fundamental strength in just doing. I love just doing. I see that the the possibilities and all your strength lies within doing and not necessarily overthinking it so much. In some cases, you don't want to think about it at all and you just want to do. So when I presented my idea, I was like, you draw fast, don't you? I wanted to do a workshop about the importance of art making versus over academic thought or over critical of yourself. And it was interesting what you were talking about um, there with your personal painting uh, before we started recording that like, you know, it took on, took on such a life of its own. It became a, uh, uh, like a C, a C, 
um, like a sky scene and trying to add buildings and then it became like a wolf or something like that. Like, I think that everybody really should try art. I don't think everybody is great at art. And that's, that's my job though, is to be great at art. That's what I really want to do. That's what I am doing. So if I can just get, you know, start a little fire here and there in some people and have them try to do art in the way that I do it, where like, let's just do it fast. Let's just get it done. And then realize that you can apply that to other things. If you just get it done, get it done. It's all about practice. It's all about doing quantity over quality because quantity will lead to quality eventually. Just keep doing things, keep doing it over and over and don't get down on yourself. So that's what I really hope to teach in this workshop. Yeah, that what, exactly what you said at the end there reminds me, I think it's a quote by Aristotle. It's like, uh, mm. uh, excellent isn't an act, it's a habit. So you are what you re repeatedly do. So it's just... Yeah practice makes perfect basically it's just the repetition of whatever you're doing exactly and as written here that you're dismantling the idea of perfectionism can you comment on that a little bit yeah this workshop? Uh, so I think for the longest time I just had like really low self-esteem and uh not necessarily in like I just thought I wasn't good enough you know what I mean like I had had these high standards and uh I saw the whether the world or the culture around us sets these standards for us, we pick up on them, you know, to be good looking, to be, uh, to be a, the best person ever, to be, you know, um, popular, to be all these things that are, that are achievable. Sure. But I mean, like your, your pursuit of them is what ruins you, your pursuit of all these things that are hard to, they're hard to accomplish. So my idea of dismantling perfectionism is this I is really just dismantling this crafted idea of like to be perfect to be inhuman really that's what I think it is um it's you don't really have a grip on things when you're when you're chasing a perfection like you you should just be confident in doing a piece and getting it done and this is in the art sense like doing a piece and getting it done in a way taking it day by day and as you and as, you know refer back to that Aristotle quote as you keep making these habits you're able to handle more and more more and more pressure you're able to push yourself when you've gotten that first layer down you know you've built the base everything's like more or less stable and you can build on that base so i think that the idea that people have built in their head of perfectionism quote unquote is really preventing people from building a stable base you know they think they need to have it all the way up here at the very top to start or they need to have so much more completed by where they're at right now and that's really just this illusion it's a lie you know you're not really doing that so when you can kind of dismantle that and assess maybe what's working assess what needs to be thrown away then you can continue and restart in a way and rebuild from where you really feel secure and then in the last like year my self-confidence is just like soared which is i'm so happy for um it's from my art it's from just getting older um it's just from pushing myself to do better but I think that when I try to dismantle perfection in, in this class and in my own life uh it's really about dismantling those illusions that we tell ourselves uh and and trying to be realistic and, and be good and be great yeah, the thing that kind of my mind goes to immediately when you say that is <clears throat> the kind of stark contrast between renaissance art and what you're talking about because of yeah yeah kind of that ideal perfection of human standard and then what you're talking about is kind of dismantling that and being like we don't have to be perfect we just need to be okay with ourselves and it takes practice to be good at something mm -hmm. 
So I, I like that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. It's funny that you say that because like the Renaissance paintings, I was in uh, Amsterdam. This was maybe like three or four years ago now. And I went to the, I can't even pronounce the museum. It's like the structure. I'm not even going to try, <laughs> but that museum, that museum. And they, uh, they had this painting and it was a painting of Napoleon and his pant leg. My God, I could, I can see the crease now if I close my eyes. The, the, the way the pants creased on the painting, it was like the craziest thing I'd ever seen in my life. I was like, this is, this is the greatest art, arguably the greatest art ever made. It, it's not even great. It's inhuman. It's like, it's so good that it, it hurts to look at sometimes. It's like, how does anyone do this? And so I stared at it and I was like, you know, this is great. This is really cool, but it's not interesting to me. It's not, uh, in recent times that's changed, but it's, it's like, it's, it's like so unobtainable when you first are starting out to think that you could, you could make something like that right now. You know what I mean? And, and but so the, the idea of seeing like a Basquiat or a, a, or a Keith Haring, it's like these guys were so good at crafting a painting that you could still see like, an, a, like interesting colors. The line work was great. Everything about it was eye-catching. And for some reason that painting made in the 1980s was more eye-catching than a Renaissance painting made in the 1400s. Like what, what happens there? So that's interesting for me too. I mean, I, I think it's really funny to look at those really huge religious paintings. And I think that as you build your base and you get more confident, you can aspire to create something that perfect. But like that style is, is so insane to me. I'll never comprehend it. But the, the goal is to make something to rival a piece like that, to rival a, a fucking pant leg that's like insanely beautiful. And you're like, Jesus Christ, how do you even do that? The goal is to make contemporary art that is as good and as attractive as those paintings in a stuffy museum, like, you know, hundred years later, that's the goal. It's a great goal to have, but it's also a hard goal to have, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, definitely. You don't want to repeat what they're doing. You want to create something new, but you want to also be at the same, not the same level, but you want to be competitive in a way of kind of creating yeah. something exceptional without kind of drawing on what uh, others are doing so it's it's an ambitious goal to have I would say mm -hmm. yeah it's 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 it based in realism though you know what I mean it's like I, I know I'll never be able to paint something so like I shouldn't even say that <laughs> I just I think that like the it's good to have like a comp yeah as you say a competition and I view my paintings as like a sport in a way you know what I mean if those paintings in the in the Amsterdam Museum or like the Hall of Fame of the greatest basketball, hockey, football players ever. And they were the guys who like revolutionized the game. Well, then I'll revolutionize the game here in my time as best as I can. And I encourage other people around me to revolutionize their own game as best they can. That's what I'm doing. I mean, I remember I had somebody uh, when I was first starting out, I had that drive in me like, I'm going to change the world. Um, and then as I matured, I was like, oh, I can't do that. I can't change the world but I can change my world. I can change my life. That was the most important part. And I think that's where people get lost. It's like, you can't start off by changing the world so easily. Maybe if you get lucky, it's most important to just focus on changing your world, changing what's around you, changing your life. So then the uh, person I had told that to, two years later, they were like, so Fran, how's changing the world going? Uh, and I was like, oh, uh, I'm not really doing that anymore. <laughs> they were like, what do you mean? Like, well, I'm just here to change like my own world. I'm just here to do that. Because I think that's the most attainable goal. So, I mean, like, obviously you, uh, Joel, would love to be like the nicest, kindest person in the world, the most, the richest guy, the one who could help everybody. It's a good goal to have, 
but it's more or less just like something to keep in the back of your head that like that's that's the highest of the high I'm just going to try and do that I'm going to try and be the best that I can and having this this thing inside of you that is telling you that you know maybe if you keep trying you can get to that level of, of, of magnificence of just perfection uh in a different sense of the word that you've you've like maxed out your own level that you're so good that you can just keep going and help people that's what i was saying yeah well i like that mindset of you know uh before any if like you know if you want to change the world before anyone else is going to believe that you're able to do it you have to believe it so if you're changing your own world it's it's not a quick process it's like it reminds me of this one will smith quote that you know is if you want to be the best and the greatest of anything. So you want to be the best actor, best artist. It's more, instead of seeing this, imagine you have this giant wall in front of you and you're like, I want to build a wall that's better than this wall. The best wall that's ever been built. It'll be amazing. You can't just build that. You have to treat it like, I'm going to lay this one brick as perfectly and, and amazingly symmetrically as possible. And no brick will ever be better (laughs) <laughs> like more perfectly laid than yeah that. right <laughs> and then if you do that for every single brick eventually you'll have the most perfect wall in the world and that's kind of like yeah what you're saying there is just kind of it takes one step at a time basically exactly and then be comfortable with breaking that wall too because like sometimes you need to go back to the drawing board and say fuck it all and just like change it up that's important too and our art's different that way we're like um you know, you could max out one style and be like, I'm going to get so good at this style that it's inhuman. Or what I like to do is, uh, is break my own rules and break my own wall down because like, that's, that's, you know, you get sometimes if you want to use the wall analogy, still, you won't even get a wall at that point. You'll get some sculpture, you'll get some other (laughs) random thing. Uh, and that's, that's what interests me is just creating something new. You know, I know it's been done before, but I would love to just try and create something new and just for me, for me, I would love to just keep pushing um having fun with it taking the pressure off of things realizing that what i'm doing is uh it can help people hopefully um it makes people happy and i I think that's when you see those crazy paintings not necessarily the renaissance ones but some people have uh, responses to those but there's um like the van gogh paintings van gogh um you see those paintings and and sometimes just like you start crying because they're so beautiful and that's something that he captured in his work that I would love to try and capture in some of my pieces that, that just make people happy to see them, make people feel that there's hope and that there's energy and that there's a wanting for something more because I've clearly shown it in the painting that I want something more for my life. So people who see the painting can read that message too and understand that maybe there is something more for them. Yeah. It's that, uh, it just makes me think of when you, when you brought up Van Gogh, it's like, he had such a horrible and heartbreaking life and he was just brutal, but he was able to, instead of inflict pain on others or want others to feel that way, he basically didn't want anyone else to feel that way. So he tried to use that to capture the innate beauty of our world. And I don't, I haven't seen anyone else kind of do that where they had just such a terrible life and were able to transform yeah. it to something so beautiful. So, yeah. Yeah beautiful it's beautiful stuff yeah and then so this workshop that you're that we kind of went on a tangent off of um, <laughs> well it's all circled around the same <laughs> yeah it's all it's all, <laughs> all art. um 
if someone is really interested in this event and they they want to sign register them register for it, <laughs> <laughs> uh, where <clears throat> where can they go? Where where should they visit to sign up for this? Currently, I have the link in my bio on Instagram. It's just Instagram uh, slash Francisco Corbin. Or you can go to the Agnes Etherington website and type my name, Francisco Corbett Workshop, and it will be the first thing to come up there. Awesome. <clears throat> so uh, hopefully if anyone heard that, uh, <laughs> it'll, <laughs> they'll go there. Hopefully people are interested. I'm, I'm somewhat interested in this, uh, even though I have very little artistic talent. <laughs> uh, See, that's the whole point of it, though. If you don't have any artistic talent, you're even better. <laughs> they should go to the workshop. Go you... to the workshop, yeah um yeah but thank you so much for francisco for coming on the show today it was a very great uh it was very i'm very lucky to have uh, been able to interview you because i wasn't actually originally supposed to do this but it was a great yeah, right. and i'm very happy that i i was able to yeah of course thanks joel thanks for having me i appreciate it and for anyone listening in that was francisco corbett a local kingston artist who is super talented and has an exciting event coming up at the agnes etherington center uh, if you have any interest in going to this event you can check out his instagram which is just francisco corbett or you can go to the agnes etherington website and type in once again his name and you'll be able to check that out this event is taking place Sunday, February 28th from 1 to 3.30 p.m. And will sure to be a great time, as we know, thanks to Francisco. And thank you once again for listening in to CFRC 101.9 FM. Have a great rest of your day, folks. Thank you for listening to The Scoop, produced with the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences at CFRC 101.9 FM at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario, on the traditional lands of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples.